Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Hooray, the NHL season has started? Who? What? <laughs> so let's let's go and answer a question that has nothing to do with the start of the year. Uh, last time we left off, we I asked, and I'm kind of kicking myself for the way I asked it. Uh, if you were to watch five hours of documentary footage of a hockey team, who would you want it to be, and who should be the narrator? All right, I'll go. Um... The thing that stuck in my head, and I was sitting there going, no, there's got to be other snow, but just I kept coming back to this, was the Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup playoffs 2001. It's Ray Bork trying to win his cup, and in the middle of the run, Peter Forsberg has to have surgery on his spleen. Talk about all kinds of drama behind the scenes. Um, and then the narrator, um, I know that he has absolutely nothing to do with the Colorado Avalanche whatsoever, but he was a color commentator for 19 years, and I really, mostly with MSG, and I really liked how he spoke generally, so I'm going with John Davidson. How many mentions were of uh, how many uh, how many mentions of Chris Drury winning the Little League World Series? Do you think there were in that five-hour documentary? Um, probably not too many because Chris Drury is not John Davidson's boss. <laughs> they just happen to work together. Well, I was curious. Once he changes employers, do the rights to bringing up his heroic efforts as a Little League World Series pitcher transfer to the employer? Or is there a grace period and it stays with all franchises he was with? I think in this particular case, it's it, it stays with the Colorado Avalanche in that 2001 Stanley Cup. Because it, it was uh, it was the first team it was told to us ad nauseum. Correct. Hmm. Correct. Yes. And 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 it became synonymous with Gary Thorne's screaming Raymond Bork, you know, as he as mm-hmm. as Joe hands a cup off to him. Just because one of my dear friends that I work with is from the New Jersey area and his eldest son is named Martin after Martin Brodeur. And if ever I want to get a rise out of him. All I ever have to do is say, hey, did you know that Chris Drury won a Little League World Series? And that just, <laughs> it, it, it makes me sad that I don't work in the same building as him anymore because I used to just walk by his office on the way to lunch or something and go, God, did you, I forgot Chris Drury won a Little League World Series. And mm-hmm. they just walk off. And then, you know, I would hear the, 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 the torrential downpour of, expletives cascading down the hall following me as I wandered off to the kitchenette or, or wherever mm-hmm. I was off to that day. Mm. Oh, if he, if he only had healthy defensemen like um, 
Oh, I don't know. Hmm. Circa 2006, Buffalo Sabres defensemen that were injured in the playoffs. I can't even think of their names yet. Buffalo fans will yell and scream about them. If they were only healthy, they would have won the cup that season. Like Craig Rivet or? Well, or I think Tempa Newman was out in the conference finals. Uh, Maybe a Henrik Talinder. Um, Tony Leidman. Real salt of the earth players, you know, they're, they're number one in your number one on the score sheet, number one in your hearts and um, number 12 in your program books. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so my answer to this question and I, and I really struggled with this cause oh God, my, my first answer is last year's Montreal Canadiens. And I would have to have Maurice LaMarche narrating it. Doing his, either his Orson Welles or his brain, because he is the voice of the brain from Pinky and the Brain. Mm-hmm. Just, just for the sheer stupidity of that entire season. And no team epitomized the sheer stupidity of last year more than the Montreal Canadiens. Hey, we're we're great. We're doing all these great things. They do one horrible thing. No, no, forget that. We're doing great things. You know, it was just every... It, and and in terms they, of utter chaos, they, they have... they For one brief period of time, they looked at the Ottawa Senators and said... And, and Eugene Melnick and said, we could do better than that. And just decided to do that. And then they made it to the Stanley Cup final. Where, that's that's what I'm saying. You know, which is just absurd. The whole thing was absurd. The sheer stupidity of everything last season. And and even now they're like the fans are like, but we made it to the Stanley Cup final. Why aren't people respecting us? Yeah, I don't know. Ask Dallas Stars fans from the season before, and you'll get an honest answer. <laughs> yeah. So my 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 alternate answer was the 1999. Dallas Stars, and the narrator would have to be Matthew McConaughey. Mm. Mm. Did he do that? All right. That's the all only right. one you're getting. Oh, all right, all right, all right. You know, uh, it's funny that you brought up Montreal because I was just thinking about I was thinking about the the 2001 Colorado Avalanche, right? And so. I was actually sitting there. I I remembered that um, Forsberg, shortly after 9/11 happened, took off and left the team for the first three months of the season um, for mental health reasons. Of course, in 2001, nobody was talking really about mental health in those terms. But um, and then I was sitting there thinking, yeah, it's funny that Druin's getting so much publicity for it. Rightfully so. Don't get me wrong. But Forsberg did that first <laughs> publicly but um anyway so random connection but back then no one had a, a negative breath to say about forsberg unless you're with detroit yes you're right yeah most of most detroit red wings fans thought that he was a dirty player 
Yeah, but that's kind of pot kettle. Yeah. I know. Oh, I know. I, I'm know, just they, saying. They, they, they found something they didn't like about him, and they just went. That's it. Yes. You know, I don't like him because that's that's by justification. Yeah. God, I would really love for him to be on my team. He kills us every time. He's so flipping good. Mm-hmm. But he, but yeah. Because he, he plays for the other team, he sucks. I hate him. Yeah. He's, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> And they thought, you know, a lot of Avs fans thought the same of Steve Eiserman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's good, healthy animosity. More more Shanahan than Eiserman, really, but yeah. Well, no, Eiserman, they always said, was sneaky dirty. Shanahan was uh, just right, over, right? Right. right Shanahan was just, you know. I still love the stat that he's like the only player in history that has, what, like 2,000 penalty minutes and 600 goals. That's right. <laughs> that's, you know. Every, every time we every time we talk about Gretzky and silly numbers and you know other players and silly numbers, I just go look at Shanahan and go, that's quite possibly the silliest combination. And God, you just kind of appreciate how good the guy was to get 600 goals. You know, how much he's mellowed out later in life too. I I am so sad that he never went into broadcasting because the man is hilarious. Oh, he is a freaking riot. He is so funny. I mean, just just listening to him on that Smartless podcast, um, keeping up with Will Arnett and Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes, you know, and, and sticking it to that. I mean, that was just like, oh my god, please get this man on, get this man on television. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's like I I'd seen a, a couple of interview, a, a number of interviews of his as a player, and you know, this was when the NHL actually had a sense of humor about itself. And ESPN, again, was also, like, the primary broadcaster of NHL games nationally. And he just, the, the things that came out of his mouth, and you're just like, wow, did you really say that? Because that's freaking hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like it made me sad that he went into, like, front office stuff and not into uh, broadcasting. I, I'm just sitting here going, God, him. Replace Rick talking with him on the TNT panel. Mm-hmm. It's lights out. Mm-hmm. Not that Talkit was horrible. No. Talkit still had some of that old hockey guy thing going on. Since we might as well go ahead and slide into talking about that, because the segue was right there. Perfect. Oh. Great. And so we're not going to go. We'll come back to you, Pat. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I, no, you know, Cassie, I did that on purpose because um, he finished his homework late. Oh, right, right. Oh, no, 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 I finished it. I'm just not happy with the results. Well, I was, you have plenty of time, so please bestow no. upon us your, your, the answer to your homework question. So <laughs> when I asked this question, the team that immediately came to mind was present day Florida Panthers. The reason being, I want to get to the bottom of, is Joe Thornton really an anti-hero? Hmm. Because after watching the, you know, the Leafs, um, not really PR documentary, um, public relations video, um, that's kind of the, the vibe I got from him. He's not a... He may not be the guy I'm going to rely on to get the team all riled up. 
where I fell short, but I think I came up with a decent answer, was coming up with the narrator for this, because while South Florida has no shortage of talented um, voiceover people who are available to them, no one has a strong connection to the team. So I kind of went in the opposite direction. I went with uh, Rosamund Pike because she does a delightful narrating on a kids program with Tony Hale. And I want the whole documentary to be told from Joe Thornton's perspective. Okay. (laughs) My backup answer was New York Islanders opening up their new building and have Chloe Grace Moretz uh, roast all the visiting teams. So speaking of Ms. Moretz, Bad props to her for wearing for wearing an Islander sweater to that Canes game. Yeah, even even though you know they put her on the screen, they she knew she was going to get torched. Good on her. But she didn't put on the T-shirt. That's she didn't, it. She didn't play the game. That's and right. I love it. Yeah, yeah. You, you made more fans than you lost. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ah, since you ruined my segue by actually having to give an answer. <laughs> we'll go back. We'll pretend. We'll, we'll just no. pretend that he said that before your segue. No, it's it's out there now. Okay, okay. Let's just pretend that no one in the world has ever heard of Wayne Gretzky and go. Okay, you know what? I'm done with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um. You, you you wrangle the man out of his media retirement, so to speak. Get him to sit on a panel by by peer pressuring him with Charles Barkley. You know, mm-hmm. you know wh- telling him he basically needs to come here. You know you're going to have a drop-in audience. You know you're going to have a drop-in audience. People that have no idea who he is. Let's be honest. There are plenty of people out there don't know who he is mm-hmm. you have a panel with a guy that that has played with him and roomed with him a guy that's played against him and a guy that's been coached by him they're all gonna stole you know gratisms and you can tell that they were kind of uncomfortable doing all of the the pomp and circumstance too because they all know him you know outside of Liam McHugh and Anson Carter you know biz and talk it know him and with a drop in audience let him let him explain to you why this guy deserves to be on this panel with because this is you know to, to bring up this point again this is the first time in a long time that a major nhl star has retired and gone on to broadcast something because they do it for all the other players, you know, when they join a panel, you know, hey, it's Keith Jones who played N number of years, you know, and, and won two Stanley or won a Stanley Cup, you know, with the Colorado Avalanche, but he's not Wayne Gretzky. When an NBA player retires, everyone knows their history. They go, he's going to go work for TNT. It's Shaq. It's Charles Barkley. You know what they are. Not hockey being this redheaded stepchild. You're going to have a drop in audience. Let them explain to you who this guy is. Set the stage. Tell him why his opinion matters. Let him go. Hey, everyone, look who we got. You know, only the greatest player to ever play the game. And Gretz is uncomfortable with it. 
So we're going to make him more uncomfortable with it, and then that'll be it. They'll make mention of things here and there, but it's not going to be the love fest again. Okay, so just let it go. Everyone take a big six-second breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. Welcome hockey to a different network that did something fun. Yeah. And oh, uh, it was a fantastic first show. Yeah. All in all, it was good. My only complaint with it was take a just step back from the praise a little more and let the man talk. Because during their commercial free pregame show, when they were discussing Alex Ovechkin, he was making some very interesting points. One being during his date and time, teams would basically have a player shadow you. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. And that was just like that. There is some great analysis we haven't gotten for the last 16 years on the U.S. broadcast. And it was just kind of a throwaway comment. And it was just like, oh, comparing past day to present day. Here's the difference. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. You you know, the, the old joke was every time Gretzky was in Boston and went to pay for dinner, he reached in his back pocket and pulled out Ken Lindsman. <laughs> Because that was his shadow. You know, every time they were at Boston, Ken Lindsman was on top of him the entire game. But no, TNT overall, I thought, was pretty decent. It wasn't all my cup of tea for week one, but all right, let's see how they evolve over the next month and uh, go from there. It was, and I'll say this, it, it was, to me, it was a blast because it was so different than everything else. ESPN yes. trotted out. ESPN trotted Ugh. out the same crap. Right? Messier, we'll get to them. Yeah. Messi and Chelios have Messi and Chelios have the charisma of wallpaper paste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking um, of a generic brand of Gretzky's, you know, name brand. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and in and in, in listening to a podcast interview with Rick Tockett, um he he called out that you know when they were setting the show up at TNT, they literally said, "We don't want you to talk about this stuff. We want you guys to talk about everything else. You know, bring up the player, but don't talk about the game type stuff. You know, have fun. Yeah. Let him go. And you know, the guys chirping Gretzky for wearing a sweater vest. I mean, come on. You know, as they should. <laughs> right. You know. But no hair dye comments. I guess that was oh. just a bit too far. Yeah. Just because, you know, all the media we consume, uh, I don't think very many of them missed a, missed that comment. No. He kind of looked like Steven Seagal a little bit. Um, just, you know, why is all the hair everywhere else gray, but your beard is just as black as night? <laughs> um I thought ESPN's in-game was fun. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the um, tackling different camera angles at different points. I loved the three-quarter camera. Absolutely loved it. I think you and I were talking about it, Pat, or it may have been it may have been Kishore. Um, you know, I think it was all of us actually. Yeah, you're right. It was. It was for first time. That was 
you know, God, that was awesome. <laughs> fix it. You know, the little tweaks, just put in a, a better camera, maybe a fixed focal length. I don't need the zoom in, zoom out. Yeah. You know, just don't slow panning. Don't change yeah. the angle that much because if yeah. you just keep the fixed position, what's going to happen is you'll see things transpire and you don't yeah. have to worry about focusing in on the puck carrier all the time. You can see, Oh, why are all the players shifting from one half of the screen to the other? And, and there was two points. I think the breakaway, um, Oh God, now I forget who the heck got it. Um, in game one. Yes. It was that dull of a game <laughs> that, I mean, ultimately that hurt ESPN's initial presentation. Uh, at least, I think that was the biggest Tampa? minus. <laughs> yeah, I, was it a it, Tampa player that got the breakaway? No, it, no was, it, was, um, it was a Penguins player who got that breakaway. But just seeing... From from that you know rear three quarter sort of ice shot, him flying in on net like that, and you could see the moves, and you could kind of see better what he was seeing from a from the goaltender because he was kind of coming in on the same angle as the camera was facing. So I mean, you could kind of see you know as he as he tried to do his moves and everything, you saw Vasilevsky sort of react and play to it, and then going the other way. Later in the game, um, there was a zone entry where they had that camera on, and it, w- it ended up in a goal, and I'm going to get killed again because I don't remember which Pittsburgh player it was. But you, it was a beautiful sauce pass. And I, oh, God, I'm sorry I said that word. It was a beautiful elevated flapjack <laughs> <laughs> pass mm-hmm. to um, – it was Boyle that scored it. And from that angle, you could see, you know, the Tampa guys that were back checking were not in frame, but you could see their sticks and see the arc and the travel of that pass that that landed to him. And it was just gorgeous to see that from that angle. I mean, who can remember the names of Danton Heinen and Sam Laffery? Thank you. God. There, there were some names on that opening night roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was gonna go with acting the Fullerman standard, you know, Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit or whatever, because <laughs> that seems to be Pittsburgh's opening roster every year. Oh, Mark Donk! I'll be happy never to hear that phrase. I'm not gonna say name because it's a person. You gotta respect the person, but the phrase uh, again. Um, the one thing I will say about ESPN is, and I know this is going to ir- irritate a number of people. I thought Bucci Gross was fine doing play by play. He, he's okay. Yeah. He's, he's, all he's, right. he's mm. he, he didn't ruin a game for me like Jim Houston used to. Um, and yes, I, I just, for, you know, Oh God, Jim Houston. Way to kick a man while he's going out the door. Oh wait, yeah, I'm sorry. He he lives in Vancouver. He he's heard this all before. Oh dear God, yes. Um, <clears throat> I thought he was fine. You know, yeah. he. 
I don't like the <clears throat> sauce talk. Yeah. Provides. I, I don't like his flair and personality, but when he he's perfectly fine. Yeah, his dudisms, his hockey dudisms. Which I think was the biggest uh, flaw in all of ESPN's coverage. Yeah. But given so many employees that stuck around and they just want to celebrate, we got it back, we got it back. I can't blame them for doing it in week one. No. Uh, uh, Seinfeld wasn't Seinfeld in the first episode. No. Right? Very, very few comedy shows or very few shows in general hit it out of the park on their first episode. So I and in a way it was kind of cute that they were so excited to be doing hockey again. You know, yeah. it's like yes. there's there's so much in hockey that the joy is stripped out of and for no real good reason. So that's 100 percent right. That's a great way to put it, you know, and the the dour intermission shows that I mean, even even the Canadian channels still do to this day. You know, here's everyone talking about this game, you know, and 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 I forget where I heard it, but someone brought up a great point that we'd spent the last 16 or so years with NBC who clearly hated hockey. Because all of their panels were guys talking about how much they hated the game as it's being played today, (laughs) you know, and then to turn around and see Keith Jones actually smiling and having fun, you go, okay, so that was NBC doing that on purpose. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sorry. I have to stop you right there. Can you confirm that Keith Jones actually smiled? Yes. Yeah, no, I can't quite believe that. I need, I need. He, he wasn't just hitting the face with the puck, and he, it was stuck that way. No, no, he was smiling and gig. He was smiling and having fun, and and I know this to be true because I've seen him do it on some of the Flyers locals. Yeah. No, it's everyone seemed happy, and we haven't seen that in forever. Well, it's like it's some of these guys you kind of you know everyone some of the guys that got dragged for so many years working on NBC seeing them with their unshackled, you know, I mean, Liam McHugh did a bang up job for what he was given at NBC and to see him sitting in the middle of that panel on TNT, having fun, you know, and still trying to, you know, trying to herd the cats, so to speak, because, you know, he'd have to rein them in and say, now we need to go do this video story or now we need to go to commercial break. But he was not, trying to you felt like an NBC he was trying to goad the guys to do something entertaining whereas here he was just like I'm going to open the pen and let the kitty cats run free yeah. <laughs> he wasn't the tight uh, Canadian timekeeper making sure everyone had their 90 seconds to yeah. give their spiel yeah exactly and that you know and, and conversely you know you come back around to watching hockey night in Canada and and as great as they are, you know, Ron McLean, you know, literally just going through roll call, you know, okay, yeah. you've had your, you've had your 90 seconds, Kevin, you've had your 90 seconds, Ellie, you've had your 90 seconds, um, Cassie. Okay. Now it's your turn again, Elliot. But Hey, Jennifer Botterill was contradicting or uh, say even correcting some of the, like some of her fellow panelists. And it was, Ooh, this is different. 
Yeah. And I like that from Saturday night. Yeah. Um, which kind of got me wondering a little bit if the return to ESPN and the inclusion of TNT what is going to push both TSN and Sportsnet to start changing around their models. Loosening up. Yeah. Well, I, I think you've already seen it in Sportsnet where they changed their studio configuration, but in, in a practical way. Well, the the spaceship set that they first built, um, I was informed that they wanted out of that thing so bad they couldn't see straight. Oh, um, you could tell after, they they uh, yeah. they uh, toned down the blue sliders. Yeah. Well, and, that's and, nice. And that vast chasm with that big, huge, you know, fake rink in the and the uh, wall of videos screens that they were gonna, you know, demo all of that kind of stuff. They just have really gotten away from, because um, it just wasn't. You know, they invested in something that wasn't ever going to pay off type thing. Yeah. No, and they simplified thing to a a panel desk where, okay, they did their second intermission hit with their let's prop up headlines as the 32 Thoughts podcast where they're going to steal our ideas, you know, <laughs> from the future. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah, you give Jeff and you give Elliot their their time, but intermission stuff, oh, the panelists are all facing each other, so you actually have to look each other in the face, and you can make facial expressions when someone says something weird. And that's an old ESPN Baseball Tonight setup, and that's, you know, a, a show of a bygone era, but I always thought worked really well for, you know, casual viewing. Yeah, uh, to to that point, Pat. And I'm sorry, Cassie. We'll let you talk at some point, but you are a woman. Um, <laughs> I'm used to it. I'm just quiet. Well, so. like Jennifer Botterill, she's going to put us in our place. So yeah, yeah um, or Emily yeah. Kaplan. She'll just she'll just jump in with the great lines every once in a while. Um, like shit like, talk. Okay. Yeah. she said shit talk on air. I know. <laughs> I, I you dropped her name. I can't let that go without. <laughs> I, I I know, and that you know I. I I love everyone kind of digging on her a little bit too for wearing the wear, you know, for wearing the wear, wearing the where in the world is Carmen San Diego red church coat. Mm-hmm. Um, but she could rock the hat. Oh, she could she, totally rock the hat. She could totally. Oh, with, she should have uh, gone all in is what she should have done. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. whatever. It's all right. Um, but really quick, my, my final point on the whole studio thing to your point, Pat, about the, the baseball tonight thing. Uh, another one of the interesting things that came out of that talkit interview I was listening to was that um, the guy who is producing, I think the first three shows is also the one that does their NBA panel show. Mm-hmm. And the, the first instruction that he gave all the guys is don't ever look at the camera. You know, basically I don't want you looking at the camera. I want you talking to each other type thing. So to your point, Pat, that kind of, it's, you know, it sort of leans into that whole, you know, you're not here lecturing me. You guys are here talking to each other and I'm listening in type thing, you know, pay less attention to the person in your ear. We'll just cut you off when we need to. Uh, Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. You know, we'll let Liam McHugh, you know, throw out the catnip and you'll be like, Oh, catnip, you know, and then he'll throw a commercial break. I don't know why I'm in the cat analogies. I really, I'm not a cat guy. Oh, oh well. 
Um, but uh, AJ Alasco and Emily Kaplan rocked it. Emily, I thought, didn't get enough time, but I think some of that was they're still playing. First of all, Sean McDonough should not be calling hockey. No, he was... He he was given a dud. I think his ability to cover a game is fine. I would put him on a Bouchergrass level, but he just doesn't have the... Um, gravitas or the sauce talk like he doesn't have the enthusiasm he just calls it straight down the middle I think I, I was listening to it and what it reminded me of is a baseball gay a baseball guy trying to call a hockey game when you're mm-hmm. used to baseball pacing mm-hmm. it is hard to go from that that sort of leisurely gala, that leisurely stroll into, you know, basically a, a, a 200 mile an hour race. And, and it's hard. You, you're sort of like, Oh crap. You know, uh, the first couple minutes of the game, it sort of felt like he was like, Oh crap. I got to hang on to this. Cause it's getting away from me already. I can't espouse and pontificate and drag. <laughs> That's a word for it. You know, I'm trying to be somewhat polite, mm. but you know what I'm saying is, is you, is you can't let one of the things is you can't let the game, you can't let your, your, your narration for lack of a better term, breathe like you would want to. You, yeah. You can't go off on tangents. Yeah. In, in well, baseball, that's, that's like the greatest thing that you can't really go off on tangents when the game is in motion. Constant mm. motion. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. But I think I think where you're going, Pat, is one of the things I did like about the TNT coverage in game was it was less narration and more sort of highlighting. Yeah. Which I think is what should be done anyway in yeah. hockey, especially because it's like there's a there's been talk because of Seattle coming in that you know some people. Seattle's got a peculiar mixture of people who have never been to an NHL game before and people who have, like, are season tickets for the Thunderbirds or, you know, Everett. And um, and so there's there's been talk um, online on Twitter about whether or not how much in-depth should the media be getting with the Seattle crowd Some were saying that, you know, it's a little condescending to be telling diehard hockey fans what the game is about. And then others are like, but like 60% of the people in Seattle weren't even born in the state, (laughs) you know? So so there's this weird discussion that's been going on for the last couple of weeks once preseason started with the Seattle media and fans, hockey fans in the Seattle area. Um, about that. And I mean, I've always enjoyed games more where they just kind of the play by play guy kind of just gives you the highlights as he's talking rather than telling you every single thing. Cause that's like a radio thing, right? You can't, you can't sit there and imagine if you get generalities on the radio, if you're, if you're a seasoned hockey fan, sure, you can kind of figure it out, but it's really best on radio to be as detailed as possible. But on TV, I don't know that that's really necessary. 
Yeah, and and to your point, um, to that to that point, Cassie, I think some of the problem we have with some of the regional broadcasts, and this is regional only, is they've cut corners so much and cut costs so much that they share. So, you know, I know in Dallas started doing this a while ago that, um, and God bless him, Ralph Strangis was an absolute master at calling a hockey game because they would take his feed and that would be your radio. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was basically the play by play guy was doing television and radio by just taking the television feed, audio feed and pumping it out. And I think they started doing that in Carolina. Yep. Yeah, after after they canned Chuck Caton. Um, and I know some others do it. But you're right, at a national level, Cassie, there's no reason for it. You know, they have separate teams doing the radio broadcast for national games. So, and that's kind of, I, I forget who said it, but somebody, somebody brought up the point, you know, and listened to that TNT, that it was, that it was, it was such a different style because it wasn't that, you know, Andy does this, Andy does this, Andy does this, Andy does this. It was more, you know, they're looking for, you know, moving the puck around, they're looking for an open play. You know, it was that kind of style versus I'm just going to repeat a millisecond, you know, six milliseconds after it happens, I'm going to tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense why there were so many solo booths in the radio side. And you still see it to this day in some AHL broadcasts and why sometimes some of those people couldn't make that transition. They didn't know when to breathe, when to let things air. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, they are, I think, two distinct skills oh, within, very much a, so. within a larger skill set. Very much so. It's, you know, it's like taking a guy out of the Preservation Hall jazz band and putting him in with Kenny G. Are they both jazz? Yeah, kind of. But are they completely different? Yeah. Yeah, it's like taking a defenseman from a team with, you know, decent defensive tendencies and then putting them on the Seattle Kraken. Oh, nice segue. <laughs> uh, I, I struggled to bring the, fir- the first topic back, but mm, I, I had yeah. to come through here. Yeah, nice one. So I did have a question regarding that because I couldn't remember, and maybe you gentlemen could, is um, – now, why was Hackstall fired? What was one of the was one of the reasons that the defense was not really great in in uh, Philly? Is that why he was fired? <laughs> one of the many reasons why he was fired. Yes. Um, his bosses' bosses were morons. Can I well, say I mean, that? This is hockey men, so that goes without saying half the time. But then it was the capitalists above the hockey men. Because they pushed uh, Hextall out, too. And Hextall was right. I need that on a T-shirt in orange and black. Because, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, so. It, you, you have to have. It has to be a particular talent to have. Such a bad defense. I mean, it's like the worst defense I've seen in the NHL in such a long time. (laughs) And and usually defense is the first thing that everybody gets right on most teams because, you know, they don't expect the forwards to, like, take a while to gel and to to get going and and doing things. So they usually focus, especially expansion teams, are usually very defense-focused. And this one isn't. And I'm just like... 
You have a defense coach who actually was a defender when he played pro hockey, and you're not utilizing him? <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, you know what the best thing about Seattle Kraken is? Alice and Lucan on the intermission show. So I said it. And writing for the website. And, and, and. Yeah. She'll be, she'll be an AGM soon. She should be. <laughs> Say it. A GM. But we'll yeah. deal with that later. <clears throat> Allison, let me know where I can send my resume, please. Me too. Um, I've got a job. hey in hockey you you get hired knowing you're gonna get fired i don't want i don't i got a house to pay for i can't have that Mm. speaking of houses um (laughs) (laughs) Um, so i've watched i need to go back back and watch uh game two yeah, don't bother. <laughs> no, no. See, once upon a time, I used to have the the mental bandwidth to rewatch games and actually notice a few things. And I'm of two minds with the Seattle defense. I'm overall, I wouldn't be too concerned if I was a fan, um, because the first twenty games of any season are pure chaos, <laughs> just in general. I'm pleasantly surprised at the forward play and the forward back checking. Mm-hmm. That's uh, because they know the defense doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> well, I just think overall as a team, they're playing way too fast. They're playing at a speed at which they cannot handle. And I think the defensemen share the load of that blame right now. Where they're getting crossed up, they haven't worked out their their gaps. How how far do I space myself in next to each other on, let's say, a two on two or a two on three coming in? Uh, they haven't figured out quite where to recover yet, and that's all the nuanced stuff that coaches hired to be fired love. And I don't. I'd be curious if they focused on much of that overall. I don't, I don't. So this is my impression is that um, the only coaching that the defense and the goalies have gotten is to try to move the puck up ice. Because they do great at that, you know, it's getting the puck in the corner and moving it up so that the forwards can do what they need to do with it. I really think that's all they've gotten in way of coaching. And so, like, in the long run, the defense figuring things out on their own will make them a better defense because they're not going to have someone come in and say, you do this and you do that and not have any idea of what the players individually are capable of. So they'll sort themselves out eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully the goalies are involved in that because Grubauer is getting way too much work and he's getting way too tired way too soon. And he he can't be the savior for the team every single night. It just, it's not going to happen. And, and if you work him like that so early in the season, you know, I guess, thank God that there's an Olympic break this year, right? Oh, wait, is it he on an Olympic team? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, 
it's frustrating to watch right now. I know that like in three months they'll they'll be a well-oiled machine and have figured things out on their own. But at the same time, I'm like, um, Francis had an idea about what kind of team he wanted, and Haxtell clearly doesn't have that same idea. I am going to read you a text from a friend of mine who sent it to me on the right at the first intermission of the Kraken first game. And Pat, I'm going to say this text and you'll probably know exactly who sent it to me. (laughs) Um, Welcome to the Ron Francis disappointing first period club. Yeah, I wouldn't put Yes, I know exactly who sent it to you. (laughs) (laughs) And for clarity's sake, it was not Pat who sent it to me, okay? (laughs) This was not a trick question. For whatever reason, we communicate only through Twitter, publicly. (laughs) Sure. Um, uh, I saw exactly what I expected to see. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I've had zero surprises. Uh, through the first three games. Now, given all the comparisons they're going to draw to the 17-18 Golden Knights, a team that started, that they won their first three games against a Ken Hitchcock coach Dallas Stars team, against the Arizona Coyotes' choice. And then somehow they lost to the Detroit Red Wings, which... Yeah, win some, you lose some. Uh, everything they have issues with is coachable and fixable. I would expect to see them slog out some 2-1, 3-2 games more often in their second set of 10 games. Does this mean they are a great team? Absolutely not. I'm not. See, my, hey, cons- my concern, though, is the word that you used, coachable. Is anyone actually going to bother to coach the defense? <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for picking up what he threw down, Cassie, because that, <laughs> that was a steaming pile I was looking for a bag for, too. Because uh-huh. um, I don't yeah. think anyone's going to coach the defense. I don't think anyone's going to coach the goalies, for that matter, but they're kind of used to that. It's Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to coach the defense. My, my point is, what the hell were they doing for the last two months then? Setting up the offense, clearly, because the offense is all like... No, see, I disagree. I, I don't know what they've been doing for the last two months because the offense just looks like they're doing something simple like any team, you know, playing right. in a rec league. They're just keeping it simple and just keep keep the other team in front of you and stay between the puck and the... Yeah, when you don't have the familiarity with your teammates, what do you do? You yeah. strip it down to the basics of the game, right? Right. The the biggest what the heck are they doing moment I've seen so far was in game one where their defensemen were pinching so early, oh, so yeah. quick. And the way they had the forwards playing the defensive position on the strong side, transitioning back... I, I, I saw less of it last night in their uh, loss to 
the whomever. two and the two and O Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, they're regression to the means for for Columbus and your fir- wait are they still the first place Buffalo Sabers please tell me they're <laughs> still the first place Buffalo Sabers they should be probably not see, see what what I caught my my thing when I was watching and granted it was the first period of their first game in existence so you know take it with a grain of salt but so what I saw was the defense, the defensive pair not knowing what the other was doing and Grubauer not knowing what they were doing. Yeah. And so Grubauer was like waiting for someone to take him in and they didn't. And he was like, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was a sudden jerky move to the other side that he needed to do that. Because, you know, I've watched Grubauer play. We have watched him play in Colorado. And so I have a familiarity with how he moves. And, and it, there was definitely a lot of, Oh dang! I need to get over there, you know, kind of things that shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the defenders kept looking at each other with that. I'm over here. Well, I'm over here. Well, what are you doing? I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And and uh, and so I watched part of last night's game, and that really kind of hadn't gone away. It it gotten slightly better, but it was still. You know, it wasn't a matter of familiarity so much as nobody was telling them what to do. Okay. Goals against have gone down and all, you know, in each game. I mean, they were blocking a ton of shots yesterday, but that that's more of an individual thing of. I guess, you know, I'm going to try to do something for my goalie kind of thing. And losing an OT to a Patrick Line shot like that is nothing to, you know. Right. They're Batman 500. I mean, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. Don't get me wrong. I'm just like, I I just realized that the defense and the goaltending has been abandoned by the coaching staff. So they remind me of my uh, rec league team. We play in a very low division because it's a bunch of older players and newcomers to the game or in my case, I'm somewhere in between. I just, my knees are kind of shot and I can't skate very well anymore. I like how and, you pulled yourself out of the older player category. Yourself <laughs> well, no, on this category. team, I'm actually, you know, I'm the mean age, really. I'm the average age. Because um, I think our youngest player is 23 and our oldest player is, well... So anyway, waiting for the penny to drop and there it went. <laughs> no, I actually have no idea how old the oldest player, but as a group, we can play together well. But when there is a team who just knows what they're doing and not necessarily outworks you, but just kind of knows they have one or two gimmicks. They put the puck and they dump it in the certain way and they know how to recover it and pressure. They just do a couple little coachable things that experienced players with any, you know, any coaching from their teenage years might understand. And when you play Vegas, Nashville and Columbus, especially the latter two teams who aren't high on finishing talent outside of one or two individuals, they win by just outworking you. And I think any team's going to struggle against that when they don't know each other. Like, you could see a vast difference between the gameplay from 
Seattle's preseason to these first, I would say two first six periods of play so far in the regular season, they weren't ready to play at that next gear together yet. And that's how you lose 11 to one in, in a beer league game where your captain wants to start giving out not one, not two, but three A's alternate scarlet letters to players. Why stop there? Go full Rangers. Everybody gets an A. That's why they were at that taping of Oprah. <laughs> that is. That's how they announced it, didn't they? Everyone in the audience gets an A. Kreider mm-hmm. so, and Panarin and all the other guys are like, what? This is what? <laughs> Here's my question. What does John Davidson know about naming a captain that seems to work out okay where – the Columbus Blue Jackets, they just lost their longtime captain last trade deadline. They immediately name a new captain. And so far, things look out, look like they'll be okay. Low expectations for the team, but they're not going to sink to the Buffalo and Arizona depths. I, uh, um, If you would have asked me, the last three or four years who the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets was, I was not going to say Nick Foligno. I would have said Boone Jenner. Anyway, because either him or Cam Atkinson, you know, before Cam left, because those were just those kind of guys, right? The, the, the Stumpy Thomas, you know, the, the Dino Cicerelli, you know, just enough skill that they can dazzle you every once in a while, just enough speed that they can dazzle you every once in a while, more heart. And Oh God, I just did it again. Didn't I? Um, (laughs) More grit, you know, there you go. Now, now you're, now you're, now you're sounding like a hockey man. All right. Continue. Thank you. Uh, Just because Jesus Christ, I can't, now I'm thrown off that I even said those words, but just, just the effort they show shift in and shift out They're, you know, they're always very few games have ever watched Columbus. Those two guys have not been noticeable in some way, shape or form, right? They get on the sheet somehow type mentality, right? Either it's, if you're going to take a penalty, you earn that two minutes, right? It's, it's not a, it's not a cheap call. You get called for, you know, decking someone or, you know, a good cross check to take away scoring chance, but Hey, you took away scoring chance. So you know, exactly. And now I'm just completely flummoxed that I did that to myself. And that is exactly how I felt when the Rangers made their announcement. Yeah. I love that somebody photoshopped the Rangers sweater and just put all A's for the crest. Where it says <laughs> Rangers, it just was all A's. <laughs> God, pick one. Just pick give one. Just give, give it to Kreider. Thank it's, you. It's jury with his participation medals. I mean, <laughs> no, I see. I think this is 100 percent uh, Jar Glenn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Again, that first year in Vegas, that first year in Vegas, I didn't name a captain. No, I would say they had less obvious candidates at yeah. that time, but th- there was certainly 
I mean, if Derek England was going to play all season, they should have just named him captain. They should have. But I think the problem there they had was, you know, I didn't, didn't think he was going to make the lineup every night. And look, the Rangers have given out enough no no trades and no movement clauses where, hey, you can have a guy who's actually a decent representative of your team, knows what's kind of going on from the organizational level, like some rapport with Gallant, or not with Gallant, with Drury, since he has been an AGM prior to getting his uh, promotion. Hell, you could give it to Barkley Goudreau and you could just say, yeah, okay. Because it's, it's just a, resp- it's a level of responsibility. It's not some sort of, you have to level up to this point with this coach to, you know, achieve the C. It's not, it's not some task in a video game that well, GMs it, make it out to be. It depends on the team because some teams, the players vote in who their captain should be. And others, it's the coach appoints a, a captain. Um, and so, you know, sometimes it's it's the guy who scores the most goals ends up with the C, and sometimes the guy who is the best at motivating the team ends up with the C. So it, it, it's like clearly at this... <laughs> it's just the guy who's the, got the biggest salary. Um, right. Sorry, Cassie. So, <laughs> So, you know, I mean, in this case, it's a it's a participation medal. Oh, yeah, you guys, you guys are all here and and you do all so well. So everybody should get an A. A. <laughs> Maybe he's just a fan of the Fonz. Mm. Maybe yeah. you're just a fan of Fonzie. So, at least, okay, so at least we can say at least Dave Haxtell didn't make this mistake. No, he just picked a guy who's probably going to retire in two years. Well, you know what? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. Why not go from year to year? Because every lineup is a little bit different. I just would have liked to have seen a younger guy get it. That's all. I don't think there's a younger guy on that team. And I think we talked about this. I don't think there's a younger guy on that team that I would give the C to no. right now. Mm-hmm. I think I think one may evolve, but I don't see one there right now. Right. That's fair. I mean, Jacob Truba might be the youngest I would consider for the Rangers to use that same example. And then if we're talking the Kraken, just give it to Giordano. It just makes too much sense. It's it's easy. It's you know, it's like it's like a Ron Popeil set it and forget it type thing. Exactly. You know, the rotisserie chicken set it and forget it. You know, <laughs> just be done with it. Um. <clears throat> so speaking of teams that make terrible decisions with giving out captaincy letters to way too many people, um. For Enough some reason, <laughs> yeah. well, I was gonna say for some reason, uh, Olympic teams were required to name their first three players. Uh, okay, I know the reason. Oh, what's the reason? The reason is is they want three assured roster players so that they can be submitted for drug testing. Uh, well. This upcoming week, they also have to provide their lists of 
45 to 50 players who are optionally who will enter the drug program but But the testing is not may or may not happen is not as stringent because their place on the roster is not set so the announcement of the three are these three are guaranteedly going to be on the roster you may now start testing them with the same veracity of any other olympic competitor these other 45 we'll see So I, it, it's pomp and circumstance because, you know, you think about it and it's like those 45 other guys. Why wouldn't you be testing them with the same level of the first three? Because there's a chance that one of them could sneak through the cracks, right? Whereas these poor three guys are now subject to it, you know, for the next four months. These other guys may not be subject for it for the next two. So unless you know someone in that 45, um, Hey, I'm going to put you on the roster, which means you're going to start having to take drug tests, which means wink, wink, go clean up. Mm-hmm. So there's two parts to it. You put three guys on there, you know, are going to pass, but are also going to be on the roster as a warning sign to everyone else. <laughs> you got a few weeks to go clean, your, clean your system out, kids, because you're going to be on the roster next. Mm-hmm. I don't like it, but it gives people something to talk about. And good God, TSN needs all the help it can get. <laughs> yeah, know. they don't have the junior rights yet, or the uh, CHL rights. So, you know, and, and they're stuck covering, you know, alternating Leafs games and Sens games and Winnipeg games. And, you know, they don't have Bob around anymore. Uncle Bob as much anymore. He just comes out when he wants to. Yeah. Well, he, he just gets, comes, gets more margarita mix and then heads back in. See, you know, Chris Johnson has the gray in the beard, but it's just not the same. It's it's to that point, And I'll shut up after this and we can pull the shoot on this. Um, God, I love that they called Chris Johnson in. Because oh. you could see he is the new Bob McKenzie for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, Drager gets his stuff from his, you know, cousins. Yeah. Uh, Pierre, you know, he gets his stuff out of Montreal and, you know, his friends around the league. And Chris Johnson goes to work. Yeah. Yeah. He's He's got the... He, Chris is sort of, you know, Chris and Elliot were, Elliot was always sort of seen as the heir apparent to Bob McKenzie, and he mm-hmm. is, you know, rightfully so. And, you know, training under Elliot, so to speak, and earning his way into the industry and his way into all of those contacts and, you know, getting information and that trust, you know, that cycle of trust, so to speak, with everyone has served him well. So, you know, I'm, I'm sad to see him go, but God is, it's going to be awesome to see, you know, how he continues to grow in that, in that capacity. And just given that he's taken kind of control of his career and doing a bunch of different things, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Which I'm hoping. Yeah, it's very good. So hopefully that, spices things up from Sportsnet side yeah. where they're forced to evolve and 
We'll see. But I'd like to revisit the Olympic roster thing. So the only roster, you know, first three names that really made sense to me were, you know, the U.S. team, because you just had to play on one of, you know, Stan Bowman's teams to be named, apparently. Mm-hmm. So let's wrap with this. Give me one, two, or three stipulations for how the first three roster players should have been named. This has been the 3v3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.